Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of our Seven Investing Podcast, where it's our mission to empower you to invest in your future. You can learn more about our long-term investing approach and see our seven favorite stock market recommendations each and every month at seveninvesting.com. My name is Simon Erickson. I'm very excited to welcome our guest today. We're going to be talking about the music industry. David Schulhoff is the CEO of Music LLC, also the founder of that. This is the first pure play global music ETF, where as an investor, you can participate in the trends that are taking place in the music industry. David, thanks for joining the Seven Investing Podcast with me here this morning. Great. Simon, thanks very much for having me on your show today. Uh, David, we're going to chat a little bit about AI in the music industry, an interesting topic. We're going to talk about streaming and what that means for the business of music. And we're also going to talk about live events and also your ETF. But just to have some fun with it, you've spent your career looking at the music industry. How does one make it in the music industry? It seems like such a competitive gig. What are some keys to success if you want to be a successful musician? Well, look, uh, I have been in the industry for 25 years and I've seen a lot. Um, Look, I think today there are more tools available to a musician than there's ever been before. Remember, back in the day, you only had sort of uh, one carrier of of sales, which was basically uh, a hard format, right? And today with the digitization of music and all the social media channels, you really have enormous opportunity in front of you. Um, but I've been an investor, Simon, for the last 25 years, an investor, owner, entrepreneur, and operator, have run a number of different public and private companies, uh, from record labels to music publishers. I spent four years uh, recently as president of music publishing at Live One, which owns Podcast One and Slacker Radio that powers all of the different Tesla vehicles with music, uh, so a very popular streaming service. So, and I've watched a lot of transformations over the last 25 years too, from A-Track to cassette to CD to MIDI disc to Napster, then to streaming, and then you bring in AI. So, uh, you know, enormous technological innovation in this industry. Uh, the industry has really been transformed many times over. And whenever it's been transformed, it's always come back bigger and, and better. It's interesting how uh, it is one of the industries that is, manages to turn around and, and really grow from wherever it previously was. And you can look back on every iteration of the industry and you can see that. Um, so exciting times to, to be in the music industry today. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about our index and what we do. Uh, so I'm the founder and CEO of MUSQ. I've designed the first pure play music ETF to give investors uh, global exposure to the entire global music industry ecosystem. So MUSQ uh, currently has 47 holdings on the index. Uh, 45% of those holdings are domestic, 55% are foreign. Uh, they are companies across five different categories, uh, streaming, content, live music and ticketing, uh, satellite, radio, and equipment and technology. Um, in order for companies to be deemed eligible for the index, companies have to generate more than 50% of their revenues from music, or they have to be a top five player in any one of those categories. So uh, streaming companies, we have, uh, you know, obviously Spotify. We also have Apple, Google, Amazon. We have companies like Kakao and Genie Corp which are big K-pop streaming companies. Uh, we have cloud music and Tencent music, big China companies. We have Live One, we have Click Digital in Great Britain. Uh, we have you know, 11 streaming companies. 
We have 19 content companies. So we've got big companies like Universal Music Group, uh, Warner Music Group. Then we have eight or nine K-pop companies. So we have Hybe, which has become a very big business, which owns uh, a lot of U.S. management companies, JYP, SM Entertainment, YG+. Plus. We've got companies in Japan like Avex and Amuse, and we have smaller royalty trusts like Reservoir Music, uh, Hypnosis Music, uh, Roundhill Music Group. So uh, we have low, small, mid-cap, and large-cap companies. And then, you know, we've got interesting live music ticketing companies. We have Live Nation, Madison Square Garden, Sphere Entertainment, Vivid Seats, CTS Eventum, all very big live music ticketing companies. We've got uh, tons of interesting technology companies that all uh, are part of the music industry ecosystem, like Sonos, um, Dolby, um, Avid Corp, uh, you know, important uh, focus, right? Important companies that manufacture consoles, uh, guitars, Yamaha. And then lastly, we've got radio companies. So uh, iHeartRadio, uh, Sirius Radio, Town Square Media, um, you know, interesting radio stations too. So th this index is really designed for the, uh, it's a thematic play. It's for the investor who thinks music is growing, which it is, and wants exposure to the global music industry. That's the ETF tracks the performance of all those companies on the index. MUSQ, for anyone who wants to follow along with that ETF, a lot that you just mentioned there, David, but to double click on one of those things, which was the digitization of music. I know that you're a musician, I'm a musician as well. You've got some guitars behind you uh, there, but music has changed a lot in the way that it's produced these last several decades. In fact, you pointed out that there's 120,000 new songs uploaded daily because of generative AI. You think this is actually very important for the music labels themselves. Tell me a little bit about how you see AI playing out in the industry. Well, certainly, I think the stats are right. You have 100 to 120,000 songs being uploaded every single day. Uh, artists have more tools than ever before to create new music, uh, to become their own venue, to stream music. It's amazing what they have at their disposal today. What that also means is they, the labels become even more important, right? Because now you actually need individuals and entities to curate it, to come up with the playlist, to package it. Otherwise, there's just too much you know, you got to get you got to find out where the quality is and then they need to get behind the artists and put them on tour because fans want to identify with the music that they're hearing. So tools are amazing today. Uh, you've got, you know, just so many ways that artists can create music. Um, you know, Paul McCartney just used AI to create a beautiful John Lennon track. You've got, uh, you know, tons of ways that artists can can uh, can access these tools. Um and but look, but there are the, the flip side of that is you have a flood of new music uh, that gets uploaded every single day to all these streaming services. So, uh, you know, playlists are becoming more important for artist discovery and labels are becoming, you know, even more important to curate a lot of the noise that's out there. How do you feel about deep fakes and copyright infringement and, you know, all of the AI that's being used to mimic other artists work right now is this just unleashing pandora's box of uh legal action or is this something that are going to be controlled over a couple of years yeah look piracy has always been a problem in music and in a lot of other intellectual property companies too um you saw what happened with the fake weekend and the fake drake that got uploaded i think you'll probably see more of that but look when that happened there was a takedown notice that was sent right away to spotify and those tracks were down so there's always uh 
you know, the ability of, there's always fraud that could happen when you have new technology, but I think the benefits of, 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 of technology and innovation is going to create more excitement and more, more new music. Um, you know, kids can create music today. They can upload those songs to TikTok. Those songs can become viral. Kids can create music on their phones right now. Uh, there's just so many ways that kids can express themselves with music. It's really exciting to see. Uh, but yeah, you have the ability. There's always the potential for fraud whenever you have technology like that. Let's also talk about distribution. You said that you've seen this over several decades, the changing, <clears throat> excuse me, ways that music can get in the hands of the people that want to listen to it. You don't just always have to cut an album with 12 tracks. And then if you want to listen, you find and, and fast forward to your favorite one on the CD player. We've now got streaming that can go direct to consumers. Um, there's certainly some large streaming services out there. There's 4 trillion streams you pointed out that have taken place in the first half of 2023 alone. Certainly Spotify and Apple Music are the most popular names in that space. But um, what do you think about the, the streaming industry? Is it just a collection of the largest that are going to carry and distribute everything? So first of all, you talk about distribution. It used to be next to impossible to distribute your album. You had to know somebody at a label. You had to go in and take a meeting. They had to sign a deal. They had to manufacture recordings, whether it was cassette or vinyl or CDs. And that's how you distribute it. Today, you can own your own music. And at the click of a button, you can upload your song to one of those services that you said. There's, you know, a dozen distribution companies out there. The big names that you mentioned, but also smaller names like The Orchard, like DistroKid, like artists without a label. So a lot of ways that artists can now distribute their music. And but when you find but that one distributor can then power all of those, right? Your music at the click of a button can then be distributed to Spotify, to Apple, to Amazon, to, to YouTube. It can be put, it can be put everywhere. The trick will be to promote it and how do you elevate that? And that's, you know, playlists have become really important. Playlists like Rap Caviar on Spotify, there are different ways to, to get elevated there, but you need marketing, you need promotion. So these services are, you know, it's amazing how much capacity they have. They have tons of music, but, you know, independent artists still need uh, you know, an entity behind them to handle marketing promotion, to create video and social content. But artists can do a lot of that themselves today, right? They can, on their phone, they can create five seconds of viral content. They can upload that. Uh, you know, they can go to Mr. Beast and they can distribute music to me. You know, there's a lot of ways that artists can get above the noise today. Uh, they just have to be more innovative. But Look, the whole industry has grown. It used to be three music players, right? You had like Universal, you had Warners, you had Sony, and now you just have all of these streaming services that basically become these massive music companies now distributing and curating tons of content. And people are willing to pay for it. Can you chat a little bit more about the business of those streaming services? You know, Spotify is a publicly traded company. I believe you mentioned mm -hmm. it was one that was in your ETF. Um, many of them certainly are a subscription based, you know, all you can eat, all you can listen to service for us for a fixed amount per month. Uh, but of course, as I understand it, they're on the hook for paying a royalty for every time a song is played by an artist out there, as maybe perhaps one of the challenges of scaling up as they're serving more and more. Can you maybe talk a little bit for investors about what the challenges that these streaming services are facing, but then also how the long term thesis would play out for them to be very profitable? Yeah. So look, these these services are growing like a weed. Spotify is uh, 
you know, they just released their earnings. They grew 19% year over year. They have 182 million subscribers. Apple Music grew 16% year over year. They have 82 million subscribers. Amazon grew 25% year over year. They have 55 million subscribers in YouTube. Uh, you know, grew 20% year over year, and they have 50 million subscribers. So there's no slowing them down. Uh, and they just started price hikes, by the way. They 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 never even scratched the service on price hikes. So it just shows you, like, if Spotify, you know, goes up an extra dollar, that's like 180, call it 200 million paid subscribers a month, right? It's another $2.5 billion just by raising it a dollar. Right. And think about that with all the streaming services, you could have an incremental multiply that by four or five services. You could have, you know, $10 billion of incremental revenue across all of them just by increasing it by $1. Right. So big opportunity there in the streaming space. Um, to your question about licensing and content, the way these businesses are built, they have to license the content from the major labels. Right. So either Universal is a most market share, followed by Sony, then Warner Music Group and some others. And they enter into license contracts and then they pay a percentage of that revenue back to the label and the, and the label distributes that back to the artist. Or if it's a publisher, they distribute that back to the publisher and the publisher then distributes to the writer. Right. But but they these are the total content costs and they have agreements and every three or four years. They renegotiate those contracts. In the publishing world, it's called the CRB, the Copyright Board. They just renegotiated CRB4, and that, that pays the publishers a percentage of the total content costs. And the same thing happens on the label side. And so every couple of years, they renegotiate those rates. And, um, and, you know, and the way things are going, it's more money. If you look at the, the labels just reported earnings in the last week, Every single label was up nine to twenty-two percent revenue. That's because they recently renegotiated rates with the paid streaming services. Paid streaming services had price hikes, and all that money flowed down to the label. Same thing happened on the publishing side. Same thing happened on the label side. Uh, it's not because they there were a couple of big artists. Obviously, Taylor Swift and Elton John had an impact, but at the paid streaming service level, it's really because of the money that's being generated through paid subscriptions and that money is trickling down to the labels. That's why this is going on. And, and the industry is, uh, it, you know, it, it's continuing to grow in the, in the paid streaming side. And then obviously in the live music side is having enormous impact on the industry as well. The, the live music business, you know, was at $20 billion in 2019. It went to 2 billion in 2020 in COVID. And now it's up to 32 billion uh, for this year. And it's go up and it's going to go up another five billion over the next three years. I think Live Nation in their in their report the other day uh, predicted that twice as many artists will go on tour in the next twelve months. So obviously a huge summer for for live music with Taylor Swift, Harry Styles, uh, you know Ed Sheeran, Springsteen, Red Hot Chili Peppers, massive numbers uh, for live music and. You know, just that's a big chunk of the index right there. 35% of the companies are streaming companies. 35% of the companies are content companies, right? That's 70% plus another 10% from live music. It's amazing. 80% of the, of the business really is paid streaming, content, and live music. And the balance is equipment and technology and radio. And how about for the artists, David? Where are the artists making their money? It used to be, you know, you'd cut the album and then you'd make all the money on the tour. Is that still the case that they're making the majority of their money from live events that, that they're going out there and getting on the road? Or is it more from the distribution 
the streaming and things like that these days. Yeah, no, artists get 50% basically of the money. That's basically the way their contracts are with the label. So they, if you're an artist signed to Universal, Universal licenses its catalog to Spotify, the revenue comes in to, to Universal, they, they kick back half the revenue that comes in. So it's basically about 50% uh, of the net licensing receipts. Um, and then obviously, you know, big companies like Live Nation pay big guarantees to artists to go on tour. So live music is obviously a... Uh, uh, you know, an, an incremental revenue stream for the artist and the merch and and the live tickets. And, you know, between all that, I mean, they're making they're doing really well. Artists are artists who are touring artists, right, are are, are doing extremely well. I, I must say, back in high school, I spent every dollar that I saved for for live music concerts, and I didn't regret any one of them. They were always the highlight to go see things live. Um, David, quick question for you. <clears throat> There's been some wonky things that have happened in the industry a couple of years ago. We saw NFTs kind of catching on, and uh, Jay-Z started a company called Tidal, got acquired by Jack Dorsey and co. At, at, at Block, and it seemed like everything was cryptocurrencies was going to enter all of a sudden this music world. Um, I haven't heard as much about that this year as, as it did a couple of years ago, but is any of that on your radar? Is any of that impacting the business of music today? Yeah, so look, you know, the super fan is, is, an, is an important area of the industry, right? Artists want to tap into super fans to... Uh, to sell and upsell more goods. So, you know, Snoop Dogg is a good example of somebody who tapped into his super fans with NFTs. I think he made like $22 million on his last NFT. Um, you've got a revival of vinyl, right? That's happening right now. Ironically, Taylor Swift has a number one vinyl album this year to all of their, to all of her Swifty fans. So uh, the super fan is willing to pay more uh, you know, NFTs are a way for the artist to get closer to the super fan. You know, we've seen a number of those businesses. Nothing is really a pure play NFT company yet. They're all kind of, uh, you know, part of this ecosystem. Uh, but, you know, to the extent that there's a company that's engaged in AI or, uh, or NFTs and they qualify to be eligible on the index, we'll look at them. But, you know, suffice to say, those are exciting ways for artists to connect directly with their fans, to make more money. Um, and uh, and we're going to see a lot more of that. And you have artist services too out there. Companies like Lalo, companies like um, Audius. You know, you these connect the fans with the artists, and 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 the artists can connect directly with them, sell goods directly to them. You know, a lot of a lot of different ways artists for the artists to be in touch with the super fan. I'm looking through the uh, the index and the ETF that you are uh, managing out there. The the top holdings are familiar names for most of our audience. Alphabet, the top weighting in the ETF, Amazon number two, Apple number three, with then Sony and Universal Music Group uh, following closely thereafter. Can you talk a little bit about how you've got this index constructed and maybe some of the lesser known companies that uh, you're, you're pretty much a big fan of? Yeah. So look, as I designed the index, I had to give exposure to the whole ecosystem. Obviously, Spotify is the big pure play paid streaming service that comes to mind. But for and I gave you the subscriber numbers, but you can't ignore all the other music streaming services like Apple, Amazon uh, and Google. So the way we constructed the index is that greater than 50 percent of the revenues have to come from music, serve, have to come from music or they have to be a top five player in any of those kind of categories, streaming content, live music and so on. So those top companies easily satisfy that hurdle of top five and top 10 percent. Uh, they're each individually capped at seven percent. OK, so the way the index is set up. No company can be smaller than 100 million market cap, has to have daily liquidity of 500,000 a day, 
no single company can be greater than 7% because the whole thing's market weighted. So that gives a lot of excitement to the big companies to be on there. And we also have tons of smaller companies. Um, so, you know, on the, uh, like on the streaming side, we have companies like Click Digital. We have companies like Live One. Um, you know, on the content side, we've got the big companies like Apple, sorry, like, uh, you know, Warner Music Group and Sony, but we've got uh, smaller royalty trusts like Reservoir Media, Roundtail, Me Roundtail Music Group, Hypnos Hypnosis. These are smaller companies. We've got small K-pop companies. So we really come, we have small mid-cap and large-cap companies. We really want to give exposure to, you know, small names as well as big names, domestic and foreign. Uh, the last question for you, Dave, is a fun one. What is your favorite style of music and how do you see music as a whole evolving in the world today outside of the business side of it? Yeah, no, look, I'm a big pop R&B fan. I listen to, you know, I've always enjoyed R&B, uh, hip hop and R&B. And my daughter is discovering a lot of that music on TikTok today. So that's how I kind of learn, learn about it. And I think you're going to see more of that. You're going to see a lot more you know, pop R&B is driving a lot of the uh, a lot of the mainstream hits today. When you see kind of the top Billboard 100, that's where it's coming from. Well, once again, David Sholoff is a 25 year industry executive. He's spent a career in the music industry. He's now the founder and CEO of Music LLC. That is M-U-S-Q. Anyone wants to follow along with his index and ETF. David, it's a real pleasure. Thanks for being on the 7 Investing Podcast here today. Great. Thank you, Simon. Thanks for having me on your show today. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this edition of our 7 Investing Podcast. It's our mission to empower you to invest in your future. We hope you have a great week.